other critics will disagree and they'll try to pull like lofty themes out of this movie that yeah. are very relevant today. To me, this movie is giving you a a sandbox to play in. Yeah, and yeah. and the and sandbox is great. <laughs> it is. It, it, it's a great sandbox, and to me, I like that kind of relaxing breath of fresh air. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Spoiler Warning Podcast. This is review number 496 with a review of Isle of Dogs. I'm Christopher Schneezy. And I'm Stephen Miller. And if you're joining us for the first time, the Spoiler Warning Podcast is a weekly film review program. Each week in the show, we're going to dive in, debate, discuss, and argue over the latest film releases coming to a theater near you. Um, this week, Stephen, Stephen was away. We're, we're thinking about trying to bring you a review of Isle of Dogs and a review of Pacific Rim Uprising. But uh, we only got to do one thing this week. And it was we prioritized Isle of Dogs. Yep. So you won't be getting a review of Pacific Rim Uprising. Unless Chris wants to give a 30-second review right now. Uh, it was big and dumb, and I had fun with it. <laughs> well done. Go. So it was exactly what the trailer promised. Oh, yeah. I mean, it, it's it's I, I was war-ready going in, and I was war-ready going out. It was <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, it's... it's it's Yeah. For... It, Put it this way, my my some of my biggest criticisms of the film relate to like the way they portray piloting Jaegers on the inside. So okay, I was, it's like one of those things. So where like, nobody wants to listen to Chris right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I, I, it's it's one of those things where like it was dumb enough that the real things I complained about were like little stylish ways they presented the story. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's not important. We're here to talk about Isle of Dogs. Um, in the story, in the film Isle of Dogs, uh, there is a, a family lineage that is very fond of cats. And very anti-dogs. So let's start this episode off. Uh, Stephen and I, both you and I, do not have pets at this moment in time. Um, So we are not pet people. But if you had to be a pet person and your choice was cat versus dog, would you pick a dog or would you pick a cat? Absolutely, I would pick a dog. Not not even a question. (laughs) I grew up with dogs. I grew up with cats too, but does anyone really grow up with cats? Like you grow up kind of near cats. Yeah, cat adjacent. (laughs) I grew up with dogs as a child. They're... They're the best. Like they, they love you. They're happy when you're around. They come when you call them. They're they're great. They're they're the perfect pet. Now, as an adult, would I prefer to have a dog or a cat in my current lifestyle? Probably a cat because because a dog loves me. It's probably going to be sad when I don't show up for four days. <laughs> cat's not going to care. Cat's going to own the house. Cat, cat's going to do all the work. What about you? Um, I would say like. I'm just not a pet person um, in general. Um, I mean, I grew up also with dogs in my family, um, so I'm used to having dogs. When I go back and visit my folks and I like sleep on their couch, uh, I'm usually sleeping on the couch with like four dogs, half on top of me and mm-hmm. half sitting exactly where I was going to lay down. But I got up to go to the bathroom, and now it's like two in the morning, and the dog will not move. And if I try to move it, it growls at me. Um, so that's my relationship with with uh, dogs. I, I in. Dogs are nice, but I think they're kind of big, dumb, and clumsy. Even small dogs are sort of just loud. They're as loud as the other dogs are big mm-hmm. and dumb and clumsy. And I think that a cat is like, the cat is sort of the perfect animal in that by the time I'm tired of petting it, it's probably already been tired of being pet and just sort of goes away. <laughs> so the cat doesn't demand anything of you. Yeah, exactly. Now I have to ask, are the dogs that you share your dog bed with, are they, 
<laughs> are they big dogs or are they little dogs? They are two little dogs, a medium-sized old dog and a large dog. Okay, so you have a good sample of all of them. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, so I mean, I would, I, I'm neither, but I would guess if I gun to my head had to buy one of the two animals today, I would probably pick a cat. All right, give me all the leftover dogs. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, so without further ado, what do you say we get into a review of Isle of Dogs? Let's do it. All right, we're going to take a listen to the trailer for Isle of Dogs and then come back and give you that review. The Japanese archipelago, 20 years in the future. Canine saturation has reached epidemic proportions. An outbreak of dog flu rips through the city of Megasaki. Mayor Kobayashi issues emergency orders, calling for a hasty quarantine. Trash Island becomes an exiled colony. The Isle of Dogs. I don't think I can stomach any more of this garbage. Exactly. Same here. Words out of my mouth. Nobody's giving up around here, and don't you forget it, ever. You're Rex. You're King. You're Duke. You're Boss. I'm Chief. We're a pack of scary, indestructible alpha dogs. Atari Kobayashi, you heroically hijacked a junior turboprop XJ750 and flew it to the island because of your dog. Darn it. I've got a crush on you. We get the idea. You're looking for your lost dog spots. Does anybody know it? I've lost all of my pride. Spots, if he's alive, may very well be living even at this moment as a captive prisoner. Somebody is up to something. Will you help him? The little pilot. Why should I? Because he's a 12-year-old boy. Dogs love those. We'll find him. Wherever he is, if he's alive, we'll find your dog. It's gonna be a fight! Or somebody spoke his language. North, the long rickety causeway over a noxious sludge marsh leading to a radioactive landfill polluted by toxic chemical garbage. That's our destination. Great. Get ready to jump. All right, so the film Isle of Dogs is a stop motion film from Wes Anderson, and basically in the story, uh, this crazy virus of like four different things is kind of ravaging the already overgrown population of dogs um and essentially the i guess the leading the ruling family <laughs> who's in charge of like the government um exiles all of the dogs to trash island and puts them away so that like they can be free from these nasty dogs everywhere and uh a young boy um steals a plane flies it over to Trash Island to try to find his dog, which was also exiled as the first dog in this exiling process. And uh, we are watching a film told from the perspectives of the dogs and uh, as they sort of interact with and find this child and 
potentially try to help him find his lost dog spots. Mm. Stephen Miller, what did you think of this film? Uh, so, listeners of the podcast, it should come to no surprise that I love this movie. Um, I am a big Wes Anderson fan. I think he has not, for my money, ever made a bad movie, and I have trouble even thinking of movies that I haven't explicitly enjoyed. Even the ones that typically get a little bit less love, like Darjeeling Limited or uh, The Life Aquatic, I'm nothing but love for those movies. I love his uh, his singular vision. I love the way that he makes movies that feel they feel like a bunch of actors playing dress up, right? Like a traveling band of people performing yeah. like a new play every year, every two years. They all are having a blast. They all know each other. And he is just meticulously constructing this world that is, um, it is not a realistic world, but it is like his universe is almost a shared universe. Like there's so many tonal things that are consistent in his movies. Uh, it, it's just fun. It's just a joy, I think, to watch him do yeah. what he does. And I think, while Fantastic Mr. Fox was certainly, I loved that movie. It wasn't like the peak of Wes Anderson for me. I've always liked his uh, his live action films just a bit more. They they just I don't know they strike me the right way. But yeah. what I loved about Fantastic Mr. Fox was the gorgeous visuals. I mean, I think I've never met a person who watched that movie and walked away and thought, eh, meh, you know, whatever. That yeah. was fine. Like it I, is I so like striking. I I I think the podcast was going on back then, and I think. I feel like I had it in my top five that year. But I think I, you did. I, my number five film is The Fantastic Mr. Fox. Hmm. So I, yeah, I don't, I don't, it, that in my head is something that I think I remember, but I, yeah. I, I can't, I don't have it up right now, but I'm pretty sure like that film was one that I was like, this is amazing. Yeah. So preamble aside, Isle of Dogs delivers exactly on everything I wanted it to deliver. Like the, the visuals are the most important part, I think, by far, and they yeah. are phenomenal. I mean, the only word that comes to mind is tactile. Like, there's something very, 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 like, real and fuzzy <laughs> about the dogs in this movie. <laughs> and the the animation style, there are so many close-ups on their face, and they'll be emoting in a way where their eyes just start to water a little bit <laughs> when, when they're getting emotional, when they're getting teary-eyed. And it is, like, <laughs> a, it's as moving as, like, anything I've seen. <laughs> All year, I think there, there's something just so sweet about about the way these animals are created. So, okay, so this is unrelated but semi-related. Um, the 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 main guy, Atari, mm-hmm. he has this emote that he does, and this is not going to work for auditory listeners, but I'm going to do it for Stephen, where he just goes, yeah, <laughs> and I don't tell me is that him being frustrated or holding back tears or is it go back and forth i don't know which it is i don't know if it's either it's i don't i don't know what it means it, it, i still like chuckle every time i see it yeah but but every time he did it, it just he's like <laughs> i think it's him getting ready like it's okay. his prepared face okay that's, which that's is the third which is the third interpretation of it yeah. right <laughs> yeah that, that's the sense that i got but anyway visually awesome i loved what he does in directing this movie. I think obviously every animated movie is directed, but this feels like it has an actual camera person directing every shot. There are moves in this movie, the way the camera will kind of cycle around a circle, pointing at different people, the way the the lighting in the movie changes. There are lots of moments of uh, stylistic like monologues or flashbacks where 
the lighting will kind of dim into just a spotlight and will zoom into the the face of one of these characters. And it's just so meticulously constructed. I, I love the production of it. I love the feel of it. The the voice acting is great. Like it ha- it has your typical cast of characters in a Wes Anderson movie. But I, I think they work really well here. And the the main thing I was not really worried about, but a little iffy about was the whole whitewashing issue, right? Because this is a movie set in Japan about Japanese people where the dogs are like Brian Cranston, Bill Murray, <laughs> Edward Norton. <laughs> and the question was, how are they going to play this? And I don't know how to explain how it works except to say there's something about this movie that steers so happily into that skid of acknowledging like, hey, we're telling a Japanese story. Yeah. Americans are voicing the dogs. The dogs have been translated into English while letting the Japanese character speak almost unsubtitled Japanese for the yeah. whole film that it almost like loops back around into feeling really like nice and authentic and kind again. I, I don't know how to explain it. It it, it was interesting because I kept watching the film wondering what this would be like if I understood Japanese. Right. Because I don't it, – it, because it, it, it has to be a fundamentally different film because it's not just – being a fish out of water where you're watching these people interact and wondering what they're saying it's like you would literally know every word they right. they say like i mean there there's like that uh there's like one of the memes is taking that uh, scene of hitler from whichever hitler movie it is and then putting fake subtitles on it mm-hmm. um and like I, I had played that video one time for somebody who spoke German and they're like, it's, it's not funny because I hear all the other right. words. And it's like, I wonder if there is m- more funny things in the dialogue if you speak Japanese or if it would just be one of those things where you'd be like, this is just written really poorly. Or like, I, I, I don't, I don't I, know. I want to I believe there would be, but of course, yeah. I, like, I can't know. All I can say and. I know there's going to be groans from Carson <laughs> in the audience because I'm going to make a comparison that is like so obvious and overdone for me, but like really hit home in this movie, which is lost in translation, not just because Scarlett Johansson is in it. Uh, even a few of the Japanese <laughs> characters, their only other film credits are lost in translation. Yeah. Um, but that this has that fish out of water feeling like the the fact that they aren't subtitling and the the film is just putting you in the middle of this world, which from my obviously limited white person doesn't speak a word of Japanese vantage point, as someone who's been to Japan like eight times, it feels authentic. Like it feels a lot like being in a business meeting with a bunch of people only speaking Japanese feels like. And yeah. I just thought it really captured that in a way that wasn't like, it wasn't making fun of it, like except to the degree that it's homaging Japanese film and Japanese culture. So there's like some things that are clearly homaging anime and homaging samurai stuff. But I think like in a very tiny way it never felt like a caricature like it just felt like what does it feel like to be thrust in a world that is different from ours and we're watching this like story unfold without ever quite having a foothold in it and i yeah i like that a lot i thought there was a cool disorientation that it does that just gets you in the uh fantasy is the wrong word but it gets you in the mindset of like i am a visitor here and i'm watching a thing unfold and i have no idea how it's going to go yeah, yeah. um so yeah, I, I I really loved it. I think it it doesn't have energy. Like I saw it kind of late at night, and I think it might be fifteen minutes longer than it needs to be given the story that it's telling. But yeah. I it totally delivers. It's a great movie. Yeah, yeah. So I I don't have the the heightened 
uh, allegiance, I guess, that you have to Wes Anderson. But I, I do, when a new film comes out, I'm interested in seeing it. I don't always get around to seeing it, but it's like I, I want to at least check it out and experience it because I think it will be fun on some level. Um, but I think even in the past reviews that we've done of his films, I've been less excited than you and Carson um, about a few of them, even when I do like them. Mm-hmm. Uh, at this point in time, I have seen Isle of Dogs twice. Isle of Dogs twice. Really? Um, because I pulled a uh, personal shopper on this film. You fell asleep. Um, I, well, so when I watched it the second time, I realized I did not fall asleep. I just sort of zoned out a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, I am... Uh, 34-year-old man, uh, I went to see this film starting shortly before 10 o'clock at night, and mm-hmm. I hadn't eaten yet, and I ate a big breakfast burger and drank a big stout, which they gave me in a larger glass than they're supposed to. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I just, I was enjoying it, but I was just very, very tired. Right. And I was like, okay, I'm not, like, I'm having fun, I'm chuckling, I'm appreciating the visual style of this film, but I I really, like, I... I got into that my my usual schnazy state where I'm like I don't feel ethically right about reviewing this film unless I go see it again before it, we sit down for the review. Yeah. Um. So I went back and saw it at like a 10 a.m. showing or like 11 a.m. showing, um, Sunday morning. Um, and uh, I went and saw it and like I still enjoyed it, but but something about it didn't really pull me in. Um. I mean. The visuals in this film are amazing. There's there's one scene of a, a guy preparing sushi. Oh yeah, which is is like fucking amazing. Like I I don't know I don't quite know what the scale of, is of the model. If that's still one of the tiny models they're using for the other stuff. Like I, I've seen a few behind the scenes videos that didn't really show the sushi scene. So I don't know if they used a larger model so they could get more intricate. Um, movements and and things but like the finesse of creating just that shot alone is like almost worth the price of admission for saying this movie um so i mean i i really love what i'm watching but i but i feel that i mean first of all it's it's impossible not to compare this to the fantastic mr fox um um, not just because it's wes anderson making a stop-motion film with animals but also that was also a story about some sort of family that governed an organization who was anti-animal mm-hmm. who was trying to do shady things and the lead characters had to like out clever them and try to like free themselves right like it, it's a very similar story just set in a different location with different bad not guys. to mention peter rabbit kind of you know <laughs> stole this story's thunder i think we can all agree yeah a little bit um but uh this movie really needed dom dog gleason <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Donald Gleason. I forgot how to really pronounce it. Uh, but anyways, um, I, I, I first of all, I know Carson's yelling at me right now. <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna get texts in the morning after I release this episode where he's just gonna be fucking schnazy. Um, but yeah, it, it was just a it. Fantastic Mr. Fox had so much energy and was so witty, so quick with like jokes every every minute. And this is a, just a much subtler film. Right. And I think that there are visual gags, which I appreciate the finesse of doing a stop motion thing where you have to pay attention to a little detail in the side of the screen where a character is responding something in a weird way. Or like where they'll just pause for five seconds and let another dog sneeze or something like that. Where yeah. it's like, or just in the opening dialogue, um, or they refer to like the lore behind this family's dynasty and like the using dialogue like beheaded the head of the head uh, <laughs> like things like that are like fun and I appreciate it I'm like oh, that's clever I like it and I'm like watching everything that's like beautifully rendered on the screen and 
I just wasn't that into it. Um, mm. uh, and it, it's I have zero problems. I have no complaints about the film. It just it didn't pull me in the way that Fantastic Mr. Fox did. And I just sort of when when, when people ask me, oh, was it good? I like. I almost don't want them to continue asking me about it because I don't want to make it sound like I that like I go it wasn't not good like mm-hmm. I I just it didn't pull me in and I can't escape that I mean I saw it twice right <laughs> and I and it still didn't pull me in but I had fun with it and I appreciate what it's doing I just don't think that like it feels exactly the description you gave which is a filmmaker with a cast of people that he likes and they like doing his stuff and him doing his usual thing. And it just, it, it, there's nothing heightened about it. This film doesn't scream. I needed to be made or I have a point to make. It's just, yeah, we had a couple years. <laughs> well, like, well, and I, I don't disagree with that. Of course. Like, yeah. like I think this is not a movie with urgency. Like I know, other critics will disagree and they'll try to pull like lofty themes out of this movie that yeah. are very relevant today. It's fine to read it that way. I'm sure there's an interesting take you can get there. To me, this movie is not trying to do anything and it's just giving you a a sandbox to play in. Yeah, and, yeah. and the and sandbox is great. <laughs> it is. It, it, it's a great sandbox. And to me, I like that kind of relaxing breath of fresh air. To, uh, a big point of comparison for me that I just thought of was uh, Don Hertzfeld, the animator. Yeah. I think a, a lot of his films, at least lately, like uh, not only the Emily Prime ones, I'm, I'm blanking on the names right now. The World of Tomorrow? Yeah, yeah. yeah. The, the World of Tomorrow and World of Tomorrow Part 2. Uh, but then also he had a three-part series of It's Such a Beautiful Day. And these are all... He started with his kind of manic comedy that was very outrageous and like very broadly done. And then he switched to this kind of playing with louds and quiets and highs and lows where a thing will suddenly happen that is very bizarre. And then it'll be followed by like 20 seconds of like virtual silence and very kind of meditative, thoughtful conversation. And then another thing will happen like a sneeze or something, something else crazy. And it, this just had that same feeling where it's like a, a person playing with animation in a way to just pull you into a very distinct headspace that you wouldn't have gotten to on your own. Yeah. And, I do think that's all this movie is doing. I don't think this is a movie that pulls you along. I don't, I don't know that this is a movie that I would want to watch again and again and again. It, it doesn't yeah. have that kind of energy. But I also found it more memorable than Fantastic Mr. Fox. And maybe it's just because I'm older now and I pay more attention to movies than I did back when that movie came out. Um, but to me, the the tone of this movie and the the heart behind the story that it is telling, maybe it's because it's... I, you know, a boy and dogs, and there's something yeah, just yeah. more kind of warm and fuzzy about that to me. This is a movie that I feel like will stand in my memory a lot longer than Fantastic Mr. Fox did, even though I agree Fox was much more kind of exciting and joke a, joke a second yeah, type yeah. of pace. I mean, yeah, there, there's definitely, there's interesting stuff in this story about, like, uh, loyalty and, like, what it means to be an owner and a, or be a, be a master and, and whatever the opposite of master is, dog and master. Um, and, like, I enjoy those little moments, but it doesn't feel like a thesis statement of the film. It just feels like this... It's funny that dogs are having this conversation, right? Right. <laughs> like that, it feels like that's the whole joke. Like there, there's little things. Like there's a there's a hacker character in the story, and his entire existence is to be hacking, and then just mug the camera, and then everybody else looks at him, and then he looks back at them. 
no dialogue is exchanged and it's like that that's just it's like remember the hacker kid <laughs> like that's the whole joke yeah and it it's i smile when it cuts to it i don't know what it means even i mean he reminds me almost exactly of the kid in royal tenenbaums who uh uh, the psychiatrist is like studying. I don't know uh, if you remember him, I, but it, it, I, it's a kid from oh, yeah, Freaks yeah. and Geeks. But like, you basically only see him like looking funny uh, for a few seconds, and yeah, otherwise yeah, he yeah. doesn't do anything else. Yeah, it's it's the it's the equivalent of like in in SNL when when uh, Keenan Thompson always it's like any skit he's just in the background he just goes hmm yeah like just reacts to it like that that's yeah yeah uh, I mean I I do think the there weren't as that many laugh out loud moments in this film. And like, again, it wasn't going for that. It was going for a tone where the whole premise is funny. And then once you get your chuckle and you're just like, huh, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to sit with this a while. Yeah. yeah. Um, I really like the dynamic between the male dogs and the female dogs in this movie. I thought that was, uh, that was, that was funny. The, at least the character of nutmeg, uh, Scarlett Johansson's character yeah. is kind of like a femme fatale dog that everyone is like, eyeing from a distance and she's very like cool and smooth and keeps her distance um i don't know i liked i liked all the voice acting a lot i, I really liked uh brian cranston and Liev schreiber and the way they kind of contrast each other in this yeah. story it, it was nice yeah it, it's it's an enjoyable film like i i can't there is there's nothing wrong with this film other than it isn't a Chris film, and like that, I 100% recognize is is me, <laughs> which is why I'm wary of telling anybody that it wasn't amazing. But I also can't lie to myself and be like, "Oh, it was my favorite movie of the year." But I still like all day long. I've been quoting it, yeah, <laughs> as much as you can do, like for the last week. Um, so it's like it, it's an enjoyable film that, like, if I could buy one of the figurines for a reasonable amount of money, I would do it. Because I still think the production value of the film is awesome, and I was like enjoying just the way it was presented on screen, mm-hmm. um, especially some of those detailed scenes where it's like a, an auditorium full of people, yeah. and it's like that isn't like a row of people and then computers filling it. It's like they just made five hundred models, yeah, <laughs> that all look distinct in some way. And but just, like, but they, they also kind of like in uh, Kubo and the Two Strings. <laughs> funny enough, another movie that was. Criticized for being like an American take on Japanese culture. Yeah. Um, he does this blending. I don't remember if Fantastic Mr. Fox had this, a blending of uh, stop motion and 2D animation yeah, in yeah. a few places. Like most screens in this movie, most yeah, yeah, places like, where a thing would be on a screen are clearly just hand drawn. Yeah. And yeah, that, yeah. that's kind of a, a wink to some of the animation styles that are, you know, more common in Japanese films. And yeah, I. Yeah. I thought that blending was really, really cool. I, it took me a little while to adjust to what exactly he was doing, but I dug that a lot. Yeah, and I wonder, too, if they just didn't want to composite shots and do them separately or if they came up with that idea later or what was happening. Well, no, because there's definitely scenes where, like, a bunch of people are gathered around a monitor going, like, oh, over there, yeah, oh, yeah. what's going on over there? <laughs> but, um, yeah, I I don't, I don't have a whole lot more. I mean, is there anything that uh, specific that you wanted to talk about uh one thing i will say against the movie is i i i really like the dogs i really like the japanese humans i like the fact that you're just thrown into this world where these are the only two people that exist so either you're listening to dogs or you're listening to a language you don't understand i don't think greta gerwig and francis mcdormand need to be in that world i kind of would have liked the human side of things better if we didn't have the like english-speaking humans that are protesting the treatment of the dogs yeah, yeah there yeah. was something about that that felt more like just 
playful, silly Wes Anderson movie rather than a movie that's really trying to put you in that headspace. So is is your complaint specifically that what the characters were? I mean, because it feels like they were they were just a way to give more exposition to a film that otherwise doesn't even have characters that can speak exposition. <laughs> yeah, I, I I think I just would have been happier with less of that exposition. I gotcha. don't think I really needed it. And maybe it's just because I, I recognize the Greta Gerwig character and a lot of her lines are quoted in the movie already. But there was something about her where every time she came on screen, she was doing fine. Like, of course, she she's game for everything. There was just something about following that character, piece together clues that just felt... It felt unnecessary, and I think it would have trimmed that 10 minutes, 15 minutes that yeah. I would have been happy to not have in the movie anymore. She, she's the foreign exchange student? Yeah. Yeah, yeah I, I, it's not a big problem. It's just every time there were extended scenes that were taking place back on that city uh, in Japan, yeah, yeah. where it was just humans talking and discussing what was going on, I felt like they didn't need to be there. It didn't. A journey that was just a boy and a dog. Well, so, so there, there is a kind of interesting sub story about whether the uh this canine illness like what the origins of the canine illness are sure i I just feel like like it's it's so obvious you know going into the movie that's what it's going to be you don't really need to (laughs) telegraph this long discovery process yeah yeah but it's i mean there's there's humor there sure sure hey i like yoko ono i'm glad she made it into this movie uh, yeah. Not a spoiler because they announced it in the like, Do opening I credits. Do I have it? <laughs> anyway, just a minor complaint. Not not for any sort of like ethical whitewashing, whatever. Just tonally, I really liked it when you were just either because Trash Island. It, it isn't just that you are with dogs and being the only people who speak English. It's because it's a like a wasteland. Like it's mostly empty. There's a yeah, lot of yeah. silence. A lot of like nothingness. It's very meditative. The the scenes of them walking through this journey are very much just like slow extended takes of people walking. It almost, no, I'm not going to throw out another comparison. <laughs> it, it, it basically felt like a thing that is just. You were going to say like Patterson or anything like that. <laughs> Maybe, you know, a, a little bit of Patterson. No, what, what's the, uh, the Gael Garcia Bernal movie about the couple that get in a fight? Oh, Loneliest Planet? The Loneliest Planet, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it had a little bit of that feeling, too, where it just it loved its scenery enough that it was willing to just zoom out and let you yeah. watch it for a while. Um, so you're saying halfway through the movie, something happens, and you go, okay, I get the whole movie, I can stop watching it now? Oh, zing! Oh, Zing, burn. zing! Anyway, <laughs> that that contrast with the kind of loud craziness of a uh, a big announcement happening in a town hall meeting in yeah. the city. That contrast I like a lot, uh, along with the chaos of not knowing Japanese and rarely seeing subtitles. And yeah, the, yeah. the whole Tracy subplot just doesn't like fit in that to me the same way. Yeah, I, it, it was interesting that they chose to have, I guess for some reason, the United States is covering the events that are happening mm-hmm. there because... That's why the, the translator is broadcasting on television for some. But it seemed like there was no other country who was present. I guess U.S. exports dogs to Japan. <laughs> like I don't I, understand. I have no idea. I have no idea the rationale for that. Uh, like the thing is, I'm, I'm fine with that being a conceit to get things into English. It's just there was almost nothing that was said there that I felt like I had to get. Yeah, that was yeah. when some of the more like obvious jokiness happened, rather than what yeah, I yeah. thought was a more fun jokiness of look at this world I've created. 
yeah, you're gonna yeah. live in it and you're not gonna have a clue what's going on yeah yeah there are there are like uh, there there are silly dumb jokes that like are just great but they're like they're dumb and they're only great because they're dumb i'm gonna say one and then just bleep it out just because i i mean no one's gonna care if i say this but i just i want to say it to you so you know what i'm talking about mm. like there's a part at the end of the film where he <laughs> it's the dumbest thing oh that was like, great it's so dumb but i loved it like in both times i was like <laughs> That's silly. I mean, this is true of all Wes Anderson movies, but there's definitely a a thing about recapturing childhood here where this story builds up and then just like quickly resolves itself in the way that a kid telling a story might yeah. happen, right? Where they decide to devote a long portion of time to something that might seem completely separate, like getting a bath, maybe. Um, <laughs> and then when they need to tidy it up at the end, it's like, boom, and then that happened, then that happened, then that happened, and then, oh, it's done. <laughs> Yeah, there's at least one of the flashbacks. Like, so we get a series of flashbacks that are important to the story. And there's at least one where I'm like, that I don't, we just flashbacked for no reason. Like, we got no new information. It was just like, I randomly wanted to tell this other story for a moment. And I'm fine with it. Yeah, yeah no, like, it wasn't a complaint. I just, it's one of those things where it's like, you're just being too clever with your movie. <laughs> I think the MVP of this movie. And it would be a spoiler to even say why, but I think Tilda Swinton's character of the Oracle has some of the best gags in the movie from a conceptual <laughs> standpoint. I I dug it. I I like that. Yeah. <laughs> it almost justifies all of the English television broadcasts that are going on. Yeah. Literally justifies it. Uh, well, anyway, should we get to our verdicts for this film? Yeah, but one quick question first without going into spoilers. Uh-huh. Can Atari understand the dogs? So, okay. <laughs> I know you can't exposit on this without spoilers, but there's yeah. a scene toward the very end that would suggest he can, and the rest of the movie suggests he can. There, there, there's... We'll, we'll, we'll establish something that's not quite a spoiler. It's less important, but essentially... The family is well off and high up in some thing, and they need security. And they establish that that family will get security dogs, and the security dogs wear headsets, and the humans wear headsets, so they can issue commands over space, I guess. Mm. But they can also, like, sub-vocalize the commands. But it's not clear, because the dogs clearly don't understand... Japanese for most of the film, at least these feral dogs, but it's established also that they believe been on this the... one particular well-trained, very good boy understands Japanese. Yeah, yeah, he should he should be able to understand it. But like other dogs that might be adjacent to him don't weren't trained to understand Japanese, right? <laughs> sure. Um, but like it, it's like all these dogs on this island, and presumably. If your dogs are smart and they've lived with families for long times, they should at least be able to pick up some words besides sito and biscotto. Yeah. <laughs> um, so it's kind of like one of those things where it's like, okay, clearly you're not supposed to understand it. And like dogs literally say to the audience, like, where somebody understood his language. Um, and, but these intercoms are there, right? So it's like dogs should understand. But is it one of those things where it's like the dogs are emotionally able to empathize enough with the human counterparts to do the right thing. Yeah. Like, I know what they want now. I will do the thing that they want. That, that's what I got yeah. out of it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. 
We solved it. <laughs> we solved it. But okay, so going back to it, the idea of the headsets. Let's pretend like the dog's super well trained mm-hmm. and it understands Japanese. It has a microphone so it can talk back to the humans. Yeah. The humans can't understand dog. There's no universe in which the humans will be able to understand dog. But I would argue there's a scene toward the end of this movie where a human seems to understand a dog. Or at least the human suddenly agrees to a plan that involves traveling <laughs> for very specific reasons. Does it involve pantomiming also? Well, no, but they, he's drawn in sand. Ah, okay. Maybe, maybe I, I fell asleep for that part. I, I don't know. We'll, we'll, we'll finish that conversation off air. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but for now, let's just get to our uh, verdicts for the film. Stephen Miller, if you're going to even say must-see, recommend with a caveat, wait for rental, pass with a caveat, or must-avoid, what would you give it? Uh, must-see, even though the honest one would be recommend with a caveat, because the caveat would have been, I understand some people won't love this movie. It doesn't push you along urgency. It's kind of, urgently, it's kind of a movie that is content to just let you relax and enjoy the tone and not drive plot very far. But yeah. total must-see for me for the artistic accomplishment. It just looks beautiful. The tone is so perfectly Wes Anderson, and I loved it. Also, we didn't talk about the music, but I love the music in this movie. Yeah. That was the primary quote you were doing today, was uh, either <laughs> whistling in a way they do in the movie or yeah. humming songs that are played throughout the movie. I was, I was kind of mad. The other day I was walking into a meeting, and I just peeked my head around uh, around the corner. I looked uh, to Julius, and I, I just like... <whistles> and then he looked at me and was like, oh, am I supposed to be in that meeting? I was like... No, going into the meeting. <laughs> it just made me sad that he didn't whistle back. Um, but anyways, uh, for my verdict, I yeah, it's so weird. Like I, I want to still recommend the film. I think people will enjoy it as long as you don't see it super late at night and you don't eat a big burger and drink a large stout. Um, I think that's it, it's fun. Um, for me, it's probably wait for rental, or it is wait for rental for my quality. But I think that I can, I can give it the like schnazy bump where I'm like, most people aren't me. Go see the movie; you'll have fun. The only other people that I know who've seen the film all really liked it. And when I was like uh, stating my lukewarmness in the film, they thought I was crazy. Yeah. <laughs> so I think that it's it's at least a recommend with a caveat. So. I'm giving you my scale. <laughs> I'll take it. All right. Uh, well, there you have it. That is our review of uh, Isle of Dogs. Not I Love Dogs, but Isle of Dogs. Um, Stephen Miller, if people want to find you throughout the week, where can they do that? Uh, if people want to find me, they can go to twitter.com slash sdavidmiller or sdavidmiller.com. People can find me at ChristopherInRealLife.com or Twitter.com slash ChristopherIRL. You can find the podcast over at TheSpoilerWarning.com where you can get a bunch of the back episodes of the show. You can subscribe to us on Overcast, Stitcher now, uh, Apple Podcasts, and wherever podcasts are found and yeah, downloaded. Give us some of that Stitcher money. <laughs> but yeah, we just recently added ourselves to Stitcher, so enjoy it if that's where you listen to your podcast um but uh yeah if you want to figure out when these episodes go live besides notifications from all those apps you can follow us at twitter.com slash spoiler warning or like us at facebook.com slash the spoiler warning if you want to get a hold of us directly you can send an email to fans at the spoiler warning.com or you can use the contact form on our site uh, music for this episode will come from the soundtrack that we were just mentioning um from isle of dogs so hopefully you're enjoying that sweet sweet song that is playing right now which i cannot get out of my head no nope. and i just 
in my head hum to myself as I walk <laughs> to to the office in the morning and then back home at night. Yeah, it, um, it isn't Royal Tenenbaum's level of like earwormy, but it's pretty close. It's it, but it's 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 not it's not earwormy, but it just has that tone. That like not tone like the 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 emotional feeling that it generates is just like yeah. <laughs> but, uh, so I would argue that is the whole movie though. Yeah, yeah, true. Anyway, <laughs> uh, but yeah, thank you for listening. Um, we will be back next week or in a few days. <laughs> this is getting pretty late uh, with a review of Ready Player One. So hopefully, you guys enjoy that. At least one of us will. <laughs> hey, while while things are fading out, I have to ask: uh-huh. Have I used this pun yet about Pacific Rim Two, John Boyager? I don't know if you have. Okay, like... it's out there now. All right, John Boyager. <laughs> and with that, we will see you guys next time. Bye. <laughs>